You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the Green Dragon. Hello and welcome to the Green Dragon Podcast. This is Jeremy and with me is Kylie. Hello, hello. Hello, Kylie. We've got a little impromptu episode now about Legendary Legions. So I've been very, very excited about some of the Legendary Legions that have come out in the last three books. And I thought that Kylie and I would maybe get together and and have some ideas and come up with some 550-point armies, which are... 500 is basically one of the small levels of tournaments that we have around, and 750 is one of the, the larger ones. So we thought that's a good level to, to compare and contrast and basically give some ideas about how we would go about making the, the Legendary Legions. So we're going to go through the Legendary Legions, starting with the ones from Gondor at War. So I've got my Rangers of Athelion army, and this one's I'm pretty excited about because I've actually got the models ready to go, all set and and ready. They look quite good, so I'm ready to put them on the table. Here is my 500-point list, Kylie. Are you going to be excited about this one? So firstly... Well, I don't know about excited, but I'll, I'll definitely get on board. At least you can pretend for it. Oh, it's absolutely brutal. So I've got Faramir, the captain, with horse in, in addition to his bow that he's got. I've got that partially because I've got a really nice converted Faramir and a horse model, and partially because it makes him a real machine in the, the game. So I'm pretty happy with that one. With him is one warrior of Minas Tirith with banner, spear, shield. Two warriors of Minas Tirith with spear and shield. One warrior of Minas Tirith with warhorn and shield. So I've gone very kitted up with my Minas Tirith warriors, mainly because I have oh, lots, yeah. of, lots, of, lots of points left. Seven ranges of Gondor and four ranges of Gondor with spear. Second warband is Madril with six ranges of Gondor and five ranges of Gondor with spear. And finally, I have Damrod, as you can probably expect, with four ranges of Gondor and two ranges of Gondor with spear, giving me a total of 35 models for 500 points. Uh, three good heroes. Well, well, Damrod's not really that good, but Faramir and Madril can hold their own. It's it's a pretty good amount of models, so I'm, I'm happy with that one. It's one that's it's either really fun to play against if you get into combat and get to move around and, and duck and weave, or it's really boring to play against if it's one of those gunline-type boards where they can just stand back and wipe you out. So it can be a bit of hit or miss, this one, quite literally. Yeah, yeah, I agree entirely with that sentiment. It's Every time I look at the Rangers of Athelian Army list, I look at it and go, oh, what were they thinking here? Like... The fact that you're able to put down 100% bows and just put down so much firepower, yeah, it's if you're trying to win a tournament, take these guys at 500 points because honestly, I can't think of many army lists that is better to run at 500 points than what you put down on the table there. Yeah, and even to the point where I had extra points so I could throw in a banner and a horn. Like obviously I was going to put in the banner, but the war horn I usually cut that because it's quite a quite an investment. But I had plenty of points left over, so that that's a good choice. I, I could probably even put out more spears if I wanted to, but I didn't want to because I think most of the models come without the spear. I don't think you need them. Most of the time you're in combat where you just want to get the traps once the combat starts. And because you've got the fight four, you actually do killing pretty well as well. So it's it's a scary army to face. It's one that basically, if you do face it, get into combat with a flank of it ASAP. Just throw everything into the flank of it and yeah. hope, to, hope to start chewing up there because... It's if it gets its way with shooting, it will take out half your army before you get there, and then it should be able to just circle you and, and take out the rest of you while a handful of rangers go capturing objectives. Yeah, it'll it'll it will delete you off the table, hands down. If you, if you, if you don't give it any respect, 
Yeah, and now, if you thought that was bad, check out the 750 version of it, which I've gone for a little bit more theme, I think. Once again, I've gone for my Faramir with horse. You probably don't need him on horse, but I do really, really like the model that I have, so uh, I'll, I might even put that as a, as a cover for this episode, because I, I do enjoy that model. It's got a lance on it at the moment. I don't have the heart to cut off the lance for this one. I may duplicate the conversion at some point and have a no lance version. But he's got 12 <laughs> ranges of Gondor, of which five have spear. I've got yep. Ma- Madril with 12 ranges of Gondor, of which five have Spear. Very creative here. Then I have Damrod with four ranges... Oh no, sorry. Six ranges of Gondor, and two of them have Spear. So that's your standard core. Lots of ranges. Away we go there. Then I've gone for some fun stuff. So I've got uh, my fourth warband, and the best warband is Frodo with... I believe he's full kit in this one. And yeah, Kitchen Sink. Yep, Kitchen Sink Frodo leading Samwise and Smeagol. I put them separately just because I think it's cool to drop them for objectives and things like that. I could put them in Faramir's Warband, and I have left three spots in Faramir's Warband. So if you want to play it that way, you can just throw them all in the Warband instead because they are allowed to be uh, basically parts of his Warband, which is probably probably quite decent in, in terms of gameplay. But I like, I like them having their own little one. They can be off on their own. And then, I think it depends on the scenario too, whether you have Maelstrom of Battle as a factor or not. True, yeah. If there's Maelstrom of Battle in the in the event, I'm probably going to put them into in with Faramir just because it's a lot more effective in terms of might. You spend a bit of Faramir's might, you get them where you want instead of having to spend Frodo and Faramir's might to get them where they want to go. For Warband number five, I have a Captain of Minas Tirith with Horse, Lance, and Shield, and he's got four... Sorry, not four. He's got eight Warriors of Minas Tirith with different equipment. What the first one has is a Banner Spear Shield, so he's got, got the full Banner Kit. I've got four with Shield... And I've got three with Spear and Shield. So just a little warband of eight warriors and the captain on horse just for some extra speed and hitting power and and some extra colors in the force, quite frankly, because getting some silver in there does break it up quite a bit. Uh, mm. You can definitely do some some interesting color schemes where you could paint some range of color schemes on them as well. Give them instead of the black, maybe some green or brown. But this one's, honestly, it's a pretty popular choice uh, in our area at the very least when people take legendary legions because the amount of bow fire it puts out is is incredible and this one has some pretty good combat punch as well especially with the sneaky heroics yeah well like we always say might makes right and you have a metric crap ton of might in that force oh my god like what three on faramir three module at six seven uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 points of mind. That's a quite an array you've got going there and lots of warbands and heroes to do it on. I like it. Only thing I would make comment on, why, not, why no Osgiliath veterans? <laughs> Good point. Um, what's the advantage of them? They get to fight four when, when they're near them. I've got plenty of fight four, so I don't need that. Their courage is okay, but... Uh... I probably would put some in if I was playing it for a theme point of view, and I just I just put the the models down into it. They they still seem to be a bit of a, a not the optimal choice. You're right. Our skill of veterans could be really cool, and you could probably sub them in instead of instead of the Ministerious warriors. But the courage four can be handy, especially if you come up against blades of the dead. It can it can allow you to them to be just a little bit more tanky. And I know that's a very corner case, but with the prevalence of that. Damn, um, Army of the Dead Legendary Legion with Aragorn and stuff. Maybe having a handful of uh, Courage 5 guys rocking around might be worth it. 
Yeah, it might well be, especially that first list that had the the Warhorn. It might be worth putting a couple in Faramir's Warband just to to stand next to him and and um, then dart off and and perhaps capture objectives in late game if you need it. You don't have any sort of shaman type things, so that could be your your objective grabbers. So you could definitely put them in. You could definitely flip that around. That wouldn't matter too much. Uh, interesting enough, the Oskili Fetchin doesn't have the Banner or Warhorn options as well. So I think that's probably why I started with the Warriors and Minas Tirith as much as anything, because the whole point of the Warriors and Minas Tirith was getting a Banner into the, the Force. Yeah, yeah. So this one, I think it's playable at both levels, Kylie. I think, and not just playable, I think it's probably a decent beginner's army at both levels. Yeah, I mean, if there's one way to teach you how to learn how to get the most out of shooting and, more importantly, how to set up for shooting when you're starting close to your opponent, this is an army to do it with. It's yeah. got some fun options. Um, the 750 variant with Frodo could be a bit tricky because you really, really... Your only way of killing enemy heroes is Faramir and Frodo go into a guy and kill it. And you need that You need that charge bonus, you need that trap, and you need that all-important ring to really get the, the crowd control down with Sting, um, with the Elven Blade too. Yeah, I, look, I agree with that one, but I feel like this is not necessarily a hero-killing list. It's one that you use the shooting to, to soften up whatever priority targets you have and then go the old-school way of just throwing lots of models into a hero waiting for the botch because you've got so much control. You've got good numbers, and even at 750 with all these heroes, you've got 45 models with lots of shooting, so you should be able to whittle the opponent down quite a bit. If you want to shoot out the heroes, that's definitely an option as well. You could just go everything at their heroes and take them out before they even get to you. So, yes, if you're close up and you've got something really tough to get rid of, you might have some trouble with it, but I don't know that they'll be able to match your numbers. It's, it's, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion either way. Fair enough. Okay, Kylie, you've got the next one. You've got the Grey Company. I do. Let me just scroll down to where I've written the list. Now, Grey Company is really interesting because they're really, really small uh, in terms of um, how many models you get, but all the models are super, super powerful. So I'll start my 500 list, and we have got Aragorn, Strider with armor, bow, and the pointy sword of doom. We have Eladan and Elrahir with elven bow and heavy armor, and five rangers of the north to back them up. So this is the kind of list that you, you kind of got to hover back, you know, pepper, pepper some shots out, and then when your opponent gets close, you need to go all the fancy with all the heroic combats, strikes, and just take your, your opponent down in, in one fell swoop. Yeah, the points are interesting, isn't it? So I've noticed you've got no spears at all. So the, the points just worked out that it was right on the money? Yeah, honestly, with um, this particular um, army, I don't think you ever need spears. Yeah, that's a fair call. Maybe one or two, but not much, really. Like, you, you literally have eight models in your army. Where are you going to get the time to rank up and spear support? Yeah, I think. Why would you need to? I think it's the when you're doing the bait with one model, so you're putting Aragorn just in like a a spear formation and allow, allowing to charge just one model in. So you put that one spear behind, or you're going for Aragorn to go for a hero kill, and you want just one spear in. But you're right; it's you probably just don't need it, and because you get the two attacks without the spear it does incentivize you to not take it. So I think if you had the points, you probably would for just because you can, but like clearly you don't in this one, you're right on the 500. Hmm. I suppose you could drop the armor on Aragorn and give five of the Rangers spears. And I suppose in my 750 list, which I get getting to in the, in a moment, that is also another option. Drop the armor on Aragorn and grab five spears. 
I don't think that's a good option, though. I feel, I feel like the arm is pretty important for Aragorn because if you do uh, botch, which you will, you'll botch it at the occasional combat with him, you really don't want them to do multiple wounds to him. So anything you could do to reduce that, because he's he's got to go out there. You can't play safe with Aragorn. He has to be fighting big stuff. He has to be fighting small stuff. He has to be fighting everything. So I feel like the arm is a pretty good purchase. Mm, the heavy armor and the twins would be the only other one you could do, but then you would be losing, uh, you'd be down five points. Yeah. Which I suppose isn't the end of the world. I suppose you could then go a bit fancy and uh, give all your rangers of the north, uh, you know, unique weapons like clubs, axes, and maces if you so desire. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you desire that really. Well, an axe could be helpful. An axe, yeah, axe yeah, true, true, an axe. Five. But even then, I, I feel like you've probably got a pretty simple choice at 500. Like most of the Legendary Legions, eight models is very small, but you've got bows on every single one of them, so they, they're going to be happy to, to hide around and, and um, duck around, use Aragorn's march if you wanted to move around, and then basically just go attack a little bit and then run away, attack a little bit, run away. Hmm. All right, so for the 750 list, very similar strain. We have Aragorn Strider with armor, bow, and Anduil. Uh, Halbarad with the banner of Arvin Star, of course. And then we also have Legolas, Gimli, and nine Rangers of the North in the Warband 2 for a grand total of 13 models. <laughs> 13, yep. And look, this one, this one's not an easy beat by any means. I don't know if it's the most powerful army going around, but Halbarad's banner is really good. So that that's pretty handy. And Halbarad yeah. can hold his own. Legolas and Gimli, you know what they do. If they decide to... to to do what they want to do, they can become really powerful, especially Gimli on the attack. Legolas just just softening up the horses and things that you want to get rid of early on. And then you've got nine ranges of the north, which is suddenly a decent fighting force as well. So um, you do, you've got no twins in this one, but I feel like Gimli and Legolas can at least match what the twins are doing. And then the, the banner's pretty handy and the, the extra ranges are good as well. Mm, I, I like Legolas and Gimli a bit more at um, the higher points level, simply because they don't have that same weakness that the twins do where if you kill one the other's going to go berserk and he's easier to control and manage whereas with Legolas and Gimli you know they're harder to to manage at that point because you know you kill one the other one's not going to go berserk and, and try and chase chase you down the other thing I thought about Kylie is this list is really nice in that it's very very reasonable for um, obtaining the models because you've got mm. uh, you've got the Aragorn Legolas Gimli which all come in a set you've got Halbrand which comes on a set on his own and then nine range of the north which I think the range of the north come in packs of three or they used to anyway it's yeah. it, it's definitely something that people could get yes once again you've got the problem with I think some of the range of the north had spears on them but I feel like that's easy enough to, to turn to a sword if you wanted to yeah, and I don't think people would be too fast either if you just say they're just rangers of the north, they don't have spears. Like at that point it's not too much of an issue. And if you want the spears still, um you can easily just drop the armor or the bow on Aragorn and, and uh, take your pick. Absolutely. No, I, I kinda like that one and I, I I guess the theme for all these is gonna be I wanna give them all a try. Like some of them we have played, but there's there's so many of them to get through and they all seem interesting in their own way and quite a challenge to to get to work. But none of them I don't so far have been been weak. So let's let's move on to the next one and see if that changes it up a bit. I've got the a return of the king at five hundred is going to be a challenge. So this is what I've got for it. Um I had to take Aragorn Strider, I had to take the King of the Dead, so I took Aragorn and the King of the Dead. In each of their war bands, I've got six Warriors of the Dead with spear and shield, going for the, the mat special of just putting as many spears and shields on the model as possible. 
And in addition, one Rider of the Dead in each of them, going for the the Jeremy special of you must take some Riders of the Dead in this list because they basically do the work for you. Yes, agree 100%. So, no banner, but Aragorn's got his banner effect. Uh, No additional heroes. I'm really down on heroes. But Aragorn and King of the Dead have the ability to tag team anything in the game. And at 500, you're probably only going to go against one nasty thing. So, if you can point those two at the one nasty thing and take it out, then you've got a chance to to duck and weave and, and... grind down the other parts. If you don't get to do them, if they screen them off and, and start killing you Warriors of the Dead, you might be in a bit of trouble. Plus, at 500 points too, 12 Warriors of the Dead can stall out well enough that it's not going to be an issue. Yeah. It's defense 8 with shielding as well, and Aragorn counts as a banner. So you're throwing three attacks, and honestly, when you're around the two, two, two attack, three attack mark, flight value isn't... It's important, but it's not that important when you're throwing a bucket load of dice. And it's it's the same thing I keep seeing time and time again, even when I'm playing with like basic orcs or goblins, is you shield with the banner reroll, you're actually a fairly good chance to win that combat, even against something that's, you know, higher fight with you and, and, and the spear supported up. So they will do what they always do best, which is die slowly, and the Riders of the Dead, Aragorn and the King, do what they do best, which is absolutely mince anything that they come into contact with. Yeah, but you've got to be prepared to do it slowly because I feel like sometimes when people play this army, they get too excited and want Aragorn to kill everything in one turn. Don't be afraid to kill one a turn with him and just just keep doing that because that should be enough for a while. You don't have to kill everything in one go, and most of the time you won't because he's only really four plus to wound with three attacks. So even then, you're probably only going to do one or two wounds consistently. I actually, uh, a lot when I'm playing with Aragorn, especially when he's on foot, only put him into one model and then heroic combat. That way I'm pretty confident that the heroic combat is always going to go off. And if you set it up so that you always have an option to uh, consolidate with that heroic combat into some sort of juicy target or into another couple of models, it can really put your opponent on the back foot and force them to have to react to your combat, even if all you do is combat, move into the guy, uh, in contact with one of your army of the dead and just pick up a double kill for the turn. Sometimes that can be enough. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, look, I think this is, once again, we know that this list can can do what it wants to do, but it does does struggle when it's got to go after objectives and things like that because it does really have to stay in a bit of a ball. So we move on to the 750 version of it. In this one, look, I have, as we said before, I've got a few choices with the heroes. I've gone for the Aragorn and King of the Dead compulsory. But for my third hero and final hero, I've gone for a Herald of the Dead with the shield because, look, I I feel like you either go the Herald of the Dead or the um, Gimli-Legolas combo. I don't think you want just one of Gimli or Legolas. I think that's your choice at 750. And I wanted to get the numbers because I've only got 25 models, which is not a lot of models. It's enough. But it's it's not a huge amount, so I feel like every model's at a premium. But I have invested heavily in another area. So what I've got is a with Aragorn's Warband, I've gone for a Warrior of the Dead with Spear Shield Banner. So the idea is that Aragorn gets a banner and it just reduces the amount of botches that happen with him. It also means that... Um, well, no, that's really what it's for. It's just to follow Aragorn around. Uh, then I have... Uh, and, and for the banner point scenarios and all that sort of fun stuff. He's got one Warrior of the Dead with Shield... Five Warriors of the Dead with Spear Shield, the mat ratio, and then two Riders of the Dead. In the King of the Dead's Warband, I've gone for one Warrior of the Dead, four Warriors of the Dead with Spear Shield. Oh, sorry, the, the first one had a shield, of course. And then two Riders of the Dead as well, taking me up to four Riders of the Dead so far. And in the final Warband, the Herald's Warband, I've gone for five Warriors of the Dead with Spear Shield and one Rider of the Dead. 
So I've definitely gone heavy on the spear shield. I don't actually think you need it, but I do think it's pretty handy. And, and if you've got the points and it works out, you might as well. And I feel like five Rise of the Dead is enough to... Like, the, the enemy can't just say, I'm just going to take two out really easily, and then you've got none left. I feel like you need some some extras at this level, because they will have something that can pick off a Rider of the Dead or two, and you've got to, you've got to have them, because the army... It's a lot harder to use if you don't have that knockdown or that objective capture or that speed or that reconnoiter ability or that seize the camp ability or anything else that the riders do. Yeah, honestly, Jeremy, this is pretty much point for point, model for model, uh, almost exact warband composition that I I, I would do for for this um, army. I played a doubles uh, played in a doubles tournament with Tim. Um, with this exact same um, kind of composition, and it works absolute wonders. Um, I have always been impressed by what the Army of the Dead um, Legendary Legion can do, and this, honestly, I think this is the textbook textbook way of running it. Um, the only thing I would maybe consider is getting the Elven Cloak on Aragorn just so that you are insured against enemy spellcasters so you can always duck behind a piece of terrain always have that you know in the way and just be a little bit annoying to your opponent about where where um they can actually throw their spells that's a good idea i'd happily drop five spears for an elven cloak for exactly that reason because also like the sniper sort of uh, armies so if i'm taking on like a harrod horde at 750 they have the ability to shoot aragorn out before he even gets into combat so just to be able to put him behind a rock and make sure that they can never do that is going to be very useful. Hmm. I also I also think that the um the, the army of the dead with the banner is probably actually worth putting in the king of the dead's warband simply for the fact that yes, uh, as you said before, Aragorn having the banner roll is really really important, but. In those scenarios where you, you can be split up from Mouse from a Battle, I think you you definitely want a banner behind the King of the Dead in his warband since he has such a, a large amount of guys. And at a pinch, you can always set up your formation uh, with the Army of the Dead in such a way where your Warrior of the Dead with Spear is sitting behind Aragorn, giving him the Spear support and, most importantly, the reroll. That is very true. That's a, that, yeah, that's a good point because the dead can re-roll. So that gives you the re-roll. And, and yes, you are 100% right. In, if you want to fight on two fronts, which you do in a lot of games, having that banner effect go from Aragorn and towards the King of the Dead, if they end up splitting up, is pretty important. So that's a good good comment as well. And, yes, I probably would consider that change as well. The the cloak, I'm 50-50 on that change. The the banner one, yeah, that's a lock-it-in one. That's that's a no-brainer because you're right. If you, if you have to split them up, or Aragorn's like on decoy duty, which he might be if he just wants to dance around with some Warriors of the Dead, then you probably want your, your Herald, King of the Dead, to be your main fighting line, and they want the banner behind them. Mm, especially with the with the um, Herald being near the King of the Dead and giving him all those juicy heroic actions. I've seen Tim use her, heroic combats with the King of the Dead to absolute great effect, and making sure you have that reroll for when you do those sneaky heroic combats with the King of the Dead when you think he's out of might or out of actions is really, really important. Uh, agreed. Agreed. That's a really good one. Kylie, you have the next one. They're Riders of Theoden. Riders of Theoden. Oh, let me find my list. I, I've got some I've got some spice for this um for these two armies. And I've I've haven't played much Rohan um kind of in the new edition, but I did play him a fair bit in the old edition. And I, I would love to put this army on the table. I've actually got enough Royal Guard for this too, so Beware, Malbertians, you could see this at some point. 
All right, so in warband number one, we have uh, the Lock It In Eddie, Thayden, King of Rohan with iron, uh, Armored Horse, Heavy Armor, and Shield. Uh, we have four Rohan Royal Guard with Horse and Throwing Spear in his warband. In warband number two, we have Derwine, Chief of the King's Nines on Horse. He has two Rohan Royal Guard with Horse and Throwing Spear and two Rohan Royal Guard without uh, the Throwing Spears, but they are mounted. And finally, in warband number three, we have Gambling, Captain of Rohan, with horse, horse and the Royal Standard of Rohan, and he has four Rohan Royal Guard with Horse and Throwing Spears. So this is basically, it's it's King Théoden, it's his um, Rohan Royal Guard entourage, and they are just going to charge in with their fight, for, fight five and strength four and absolutely go to town on people. I really, really like this one. I didn't expect you to, to make a full Royal Guard list, but I like this for the theme point of view. It feels like a, a Riders of Thaden list because it feels like different to a normal Rohan army. I feel the problem I have with this list is it is the standard Rohan army a lot of the times. So this has a bit of a unique twist on it. It's somewhat fragile, but also not because you've got basically fight four, strength four on the charge, defense six troops that are bodyguard yeah, five, across five the on the charge bro. oh yeah five five on the charge yeah it, whoa 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 that's yeah. huge that's huge yeah. and then you've got you've got some really good heroes you've got your like gambling can be the tank if you want him to uh you've got Dale wine who's he's pretty good hitter as well because he comes with a base of fight five but he's also got the strike so he can mm. be be your almost throwaway hitter if you want to keep Thade and a little bit safe you can send Dale wine in and because he's got the might recharging of gambling as well you can be a bit reckless with him and start taking on things and uh, yeah, you've got the free heroic combats that happen throughout the game. It's it's a really good list. The only issue, I guess, is that your firepower is short range, but eight inches is not that short range, especially when you're moving ten inches around. So I feel like that's my thought as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that close range skirmish, which is actually really fun to play with cavalry as well, because you've always got that little nervousness of what did they get the double move and get into me. But you've got so much might that you should be able to mitigate that. And you can also set up a sacrificial screen where if they do charge you, they only charge like three Royal Guard and then the rest of them dart away and, and let them survive on their own. Mm, and I figure at 500 points to 17 cavalry models, especially with the power that they get on the charge, is probably going to be enough. And those throwing spears are going to be absolutely mental. Like 10 throwing spears at that points level is is enough to, to to duck around and skirmish around your opponent because your opponent at that point level is probably only going to have about 10 bows themselves. So once you've closed that gap, you are always in this threat range. And with Thade and March move 15 inches across the table, point of mind, and you're laughing. And in all honesty, if any of you guys get dismounted, it's nowhere near the end of the world because they're all quite functional on the ground as well. Like, Royal Guard with throwing weapons are great on the ground. Daywine can hold his own on the ground. Gambling's okay. He doesn't mind being on the ground. Even Theoden can can still duel people pretty well. So if you do lose a couple of horses, it's not the end of the world. Mm, I agree. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I, I went all Royal Guard because... Royal Guard have this, I don't know, it's it's this magic thing where even when they go in and hit their opponent super hard, they can survive a counter charge because the fire four defense six actually makes them fairly tanky. And even, like the defense six is super good against elves, like elves struggle to crunch through them. And anything that's strength four usually can't get to the fight five. So they're going to struggle to beat them in the fire or, or just stall out on them. So you've got that kind of win-win either way. 
it's also that level where because your your defense is two points up on the horse, the people have to have a real choice about do I go for the rider or do I go for the horse? And I've been playing a bit of Gondor Cavalry, and that's the choice they have to make. And they often go too much at the horse. So like, oh, I've just got to dismount them, just got to dismount them. And because it's more tempting, you end up, they, they roll a six and kill the horse. And then you, your guy on top of it is just laughing because he's on the, on the survived, which he should be killed. So I do like that level. That's a really good difference. And I, I kind of want to play this. Look, I've been avoiding Rohan a fair bit lately because I feel like some in some ways they've gone a bit cookie cutter. But that's definitely changed since War of the Rohan came out. Warren Rohan came out, and this one's just a really cool themed army, and the Royal Guard look great. I love Daywine as a model. That one's, I think that's the, the pick of the new Rohan models for me, and Gambling always looks great, and Thaden, and I can justify Gambling in this one. It feels like a Gambling type, ar- type army, because it's just all the Royal Guard, like Thaden's bringing his elites for the battlefield. really like this one. Yeah. All right, on to the 750, and this this is the cookie cutter. This is what you would expect yes. if you heard your opponent saying, I'm taking the Rohan Legendary Legion. So we have Thaden mounted on horse with his armor and his shield. He has five Rohan Royal Guard with horse and throwing spears um, kicking around him. In Warband number two, we have Aemir on horse with shield and throwing spears. He has two riders of Rohan and one rider of Rohan with throwing spear. In Warband number three, we have Dernhelm with throwing spears. Uh, and three riders of Rohan, also having the Mary kicking in there uh, on her horse. In Warband number four, we have Gambling, captain of Rohan, with the uh, Royal Standard. He has three riders of Rohan in his Warband. And finally, we have Elfhelm, captain of Rohan, on horse with three riders of Rohan in his Warband. Now, I have decided not to take Derwine in this particular list because I actually think the extra five riders of Rohan that you get in place of him is super worth it. The fact that your army is so small, I think it's like 18 models if you don't take Derwine as opposed to the 23 with this one. I think that that amount, that shift from 18 to 23 is enough of, of a swing to justify not taking the sixth Brohan hero. And part of that too is because you get the the might points back every turn from from gambling, and because you also have the death ability to constantly call her at combat. Derwine's um, Derwine's uh, use of might and the fact that he gets free her at combats to keep going back next to Thaden isn't as needed. And when you have Dernhelm and Amir in there also being able to call strikes, you don't need his strike as much in this variant. Yeah, look, I agree with you as well. I I tend to think that a lot of people get a bit too hero heavy in these Rohan lists. I think five, that's that's a pretty solid amount. I, that's probably what I would consider as well because you want those riders of Rohan to be able to tempt the opponent into bad spots because even though you've got heaps of power on the charge, if you botch that first charge, you need to have a plan. And if the enemy's already split up, if you botch that first charge, you've got another turn to go in again and fix it up. So I do like having enough riders of Rohan that your shooting is at least going to break even with your opponents. And if it does that, then they're forced to come at you. And anytime you're trying to chase down Rohan, it's you're in a lot of trouble. And when, when you chase down Rohan with five heroes that can regenerate their might, that can call a free heroic combat in one of the turns of the games, and the, the, their friends get these... Five, five Royal Guard are just insane on the charge. So you've got some real, real power. And I, I think the basic ride of Rohan is a really good cavalry model. It, it does a bit of everything, and it, it does it well. It does what it's supposed to do for a very low price. Yeah, and I think as well, with the amount of you get in the force, 
I, I've played a couple of games against this Legendary Legion where I focused on the Riders of Rohan. I put all my heroes into the Riders of Rohan. And when my opponent was going into my troops, burning out, trying to kill 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 my infantry, and I'm going into his riders, burning out and killing all his riders. When you're when you've knocked out all your opponent's um, basic basic uh, riders in this in this force, the six heroes just crumple. They they just don't have the support anymore. And because you have such a small amount of models, every single model is precious. So being able to up your model count even just a little bit is enough to give you a bit more redundancy and be able to, you know, pivot to a plan B or disengage or or have model, other models in your army to be able to do the objective or capture objectives and, and do other things that you might need to do in a game, whereas having all six, you would lose that flexibility. Yeah, even just, like, a lot of times in the cavalry model, you throw away a couple models just for decoys or for um, to tank a hero or just, just to slow something down or, or screen. And when you don't have a lot of warriors of Rohan or riders of Rohan spare, it means you have to start doing that with heroes. And that's a lot more of a risk because if your hero gets loses his horse and then is sitting there and, and becomes relatively easy kill, it doesn't doesn't help you at all. Whereas if you're throwing away a rider of Rohan to give your heroes more time, that's an easily a worthwhile trade. So I do like this composition. This army is is super powerful. And we know that one. We know that this is this is a top tier list, absolutely. And I, I really do like this setup for it. Uh, in terms of theme, yeah, like these legendary legions all follow the theme pretty much, so there's no issue there. Hmm. And I, I'm sorry to bash on Darawan a bit, but I, I love him in the lower points game where where he actually gets a lot of use out of his heroic combats. But when you're at the big points, kind of 750 onwards, he's he's kind of the the thing that makes him cool. He kind of he kind of loses it because the the other Rohan heroes can do that because of the the gambling mechanics. So he's not as useful in that regard, especially because he has to move towards Thade and off his heroic combats. I think he's the ultimate, like, if you're playing a Rohan army at, like, 300 points, you take Thade and, and, and Deowine, and then that's his time to shine because suddenly he's a really powerful hero at those sort of really low levels. And you're right, at the 500 as well. But I think you're right. Like, it is... He's just got so much redundancy. Like, any of the heroes can pretty much do anything, so you don't need him. You could definitely take him. He's really good, but... Yeah, you're just so spoiled for your heroes. Mm. And that that's when we're taking the Legendary Legion, not even the, the, the other stuff where you, your other Rohan heroes, like your Brands, your your um your, your Thaedrids, um hell your your Helm Hammerhands and stuff. You you got you got choice in the Rohan list for, for pretty amazing heroes that you can take. Look, I feel like the swap for him in that army list that you've got is probably uh, the Elf Helm, because if you want to, if you want a day one, Elf Helm's a good swap. But Elf Helm does a totally different role. Like he's he's your little sniper that goes and does essentially what Legless does at close range. He goes and takes out a horse or something like that, and that can be incredibly useful to to know that like their their good hero on horse is going to cop a, an Elf Helm that, that's going to go at them. So yeah, I don't know that I would drop him. Um, I do like the day one model more, but in terms of in terms of looks, but the Elf Helm. Does it does a job in this army that that pretty much no one else really does? Is that that accurate shooting close range? And more importantly, he is your tank. He's your guy that runs in, calls a defense, and stalls an enemy hero for two turns, if two three turns, if you need it. Because I'm not risking gambling going into a hero to, to call defense up to to tank out an enemy hero. He is far too critical to the entirety of the army list. I think you're telling a lie there. I think you are risking gambling as soon as Elfham dies. 
Yes, which is part of the reason why you, I think you would take the film. Yes. It's because you want gambling as your second kind of running and tank rather than your first running and tank. I agree. And what I do like about Elfhelm is you can run in and tank throwing a spear as you go in. So it becomes yeah. it becomes very threatening on the charge. So you're happy to every turn to say, okay, Saladin, I'm just going to charge you with Elfhelm every turn. And then maybe I'll take out your horse. If I'm lucky, maybe I'll do some wounds to you on the charge. I'll probably lose the combat, but you're only doing a wound maybe. Or Look, if you do take me out, you've got Gambling or some other guys as a backup. But those natural sixes can be very swingy and they can be very resource intensive to take someone out with it, especially if you're doing a one-on-one fight. Hmm. Kylie, you have the next one, the Men of the West as well. I'm interested to come with here because I have very little oh. experience with the Men of the West. So I've played a couple of games against against it and I've played one game with it. And honestly, I struggle to justify taking this Legendary Legion. First point is the fact that everything's on foot. So there, there are there are some niches that they absolutely cover and that they're absolutely amazing with, but there are some massive flaws in the army as well. I think at a grand scale, like I'm talking over a thousand points, yeah, this army's great because you've got so many good heroes. You have so many, you know, you can just shield wall up and watch the heroes do everything. But at a like a competitive level or a sensible level, like a five hundred or seven fifty, they're a bit trickier to figure out what you're doing with. So. For my first kind of um, attempt at sort of having to go at this army list, um, I've got Aragorn, of course, uh, in Warband 1. Uh, in his Warband is Pippin, Guard of the Citadel. Four Warriors of Minas Tirith with Shield and Spear. Three Warriors of Minas Tirith with Bow and four Knights of Delamroth. In Warband number 2, we have a Captain of Rohan with Shield and Throwing Spears. Mary, uh, Knight of the Mark, five Warriors of Rohan with Throwing Spears and Shield, and three Warriors of Rohan with Bow. And that comes up at 500 points for, I think it's 23 models. Uh, yes, it is, yes. yes. Yeah, 23 models. So uh, it's, 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 it's an awkward one. Um, they always pass um, uh, Courage Tests, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, but... The cool thing about the list is they get to increase their fight value by one once per turn. So you can do some funky... Once per game. You know, yeah, once per game. You can do some funky, you know, hey, look, we're all massively high fight value and we're just going to beat things up. And that's especially good on things like the Knight of Dol Amroth, where you've got four of those on foot. So they're going up to fight five means that you can match it with elves or you can get ahead of Mordor or Akai or Isengard or anything like that. So that, that is useful. It's only once per game, which is not huge. But sometimes that's enough just to have one turn where you know that you're going to have uh, a bit of an advantage. Look, I like this army from, from an interest point of view. Like, it looks really cool and to have this alliance. But I, f- I think I agree with you. I don't think, especially at 500 points, I don't think this is the top tier one at all, especially when you compare it to what um, the Riders of Thaden could put out. But... That's what you're going to get. Like, Aragorn King Elisar is such an all-eggs-in-one-basket model. Mm. He can win a game on his own, but he can also get stalled and do nothing for the whole game. And I don't know that you've got the backup, really, in this army to if, he, if he's having a bad day to make up for it. Mm. And the other really kind of painful thing about the list is, yes, you have Legolas, Gimli, the Twins, and Gandalf in there, but none of those five models can lead the troops. Because you can only have Gondor warriors being led by Gondor heroes and Rohan warriors led by Rohan heroes. So you, you get 
kind of left in this really awkward spot where some of the heroes you really, really want to take, your, your wizard, your, your, your crazy elves, and your absolutely baller dwarf, you're taking them basically as pseudo-independent um, warbands, and that can, can be really, really awkward with an army that really needs to get models onto the table. Yeah, and you definitely need the numbers in this one because you can't go for that the trap of doing the essentially the White Council build where you have lots of really big heroes all on foot because you get the same weaknesses where they, they don't do enough killing to justify it and then eventually one of them will botch and go down and, and by then you're still in an awkward position. You have to do too much with them. So you definitely need your Warriors of Rohan and Gondor. You're right, this is one that, believe it or not, maybe at like 1,500 might be its optimal point. Like it's, It might be one of those ones that really needs a big, big, big army. All right, uh, the next one, uh, my next Man of the West 750 list. Now, this one, this has a bit of a gimmick to it. I'm not going to lie, but it's a kind of a fun, quirky gimmick. Um, no Rohan models in this one, but it does do something else that's kind of funky. So in Warband 1, we have Aragorn, King Alessa. We have five Warriors of Minas Tirith with Shield and Spear, four Warriors of Minas Tirith with Shield, six Warriors of Minas Tirith with Bow, Shield, and Spear. In Warband number two, we have Prince Imrahil of Delamroth with eight Knights of Delamroth. And finally, in Warband number three, we have Aladan and Elrohia. Hmm, that's an interesting combination. Did You You said you took shields on your bowmen, is that right? Yes, to get the shield wall proc. So you got the shield wall, okay. That makes sense. You've got the, the Knights of Delamroth. You've got enough of those to make a high fight value, like centerpiece to your army. You've got the the Prince Imrahil upping their fight value, so they're, they're actually really high fight. So they what, they start at base fight five of the near Imrahil, and for one turn they can be fight six, is that right? Yeah, and that's kind of where the gimmick is. It's basically going, here's Prince Imrahil, here's Aragorn, here's Eladan and Aura here, and for one turn we get to all be fight six and fight seven. Have fun. Yeah, it's almost like a one-turn like mini heroic strike with everyone because a lot of uh, like opponents will have to strike against that when you and you don't have to. So if you time it right when they're they're low on might, it becomes a real choice for them. So I can see this army doing a little bit, but once again, the numbers aren't incredibly high. You've got an all right amount, but it's definitely an and um, a heroes do all the work. But then again, the heroes Aragorn, Imrahil, Aladdin, Alro here can all fight pretty well. And if you're if you're relying them to kill, say you've got four of them, if you're relying to kill four to five models a turn with them. They can pull that off. That's not that's not unobtainable for them. And then the other warriors are pretty hard to move because they've all got the high defense. Uh, that they'll win their fair share of fights as well. So you, I feel like this one, if the early turns go well for you and you've set up in a good spot for the combat, you've probably got a good chance. Hmm. And it's kind of like it's kind of the only real way you can kind of get some really quirkiness out of like the fact the way that the legendary legions bypass. Um, kind of the allies matrix. So that's kind of the reason why I went with Dan and was because, yeah, you can actually get them into a list and they still kind of count as green allies. Imagine why I said that with quotation marks. But, <laughs> yeah, yep. it's a weird and awkward one. You could drop Eladan and Aura here and basically have it as the Aragorn and Prince Imrahil show and just run two full warbands of 18. And that could also, you know, do okay things, you know, 16 nights of Delamroth, eight with Aragorn, eight with Prince Imrahil, and then just spearmen and or bow spears in behind them. That could also maybe maybe do the job, but again, Prince Imrahil's little three-inch bubble for the knights is, is actually is still quite small. What I don't get, though, is if you went that way with, with just Aragorn and Imrahil, like, I feel like just the, the Gondor 
uh, Dole Amaroff Alliance would probably do the job better because then you've got access to the horses across the board, even for just your heroes. And yes, you've got that essentially the courage and the, the one turn of up the fight value. But I don't know. I'll probably trade trade some horses for that if I wanted to go a Gondor um, Dole Amaroff theme. So I do think the Allendale yeah. Nelro here is the choice if you're going to go for it there. If it's a bit bigger, you probably want to sneak a Rohan Warband in there somewhere just for the, the theme as much as anything. But this army list, I do think it it's one that's... I think you take for a little bit of a challenge and a little bit of a for interest sake. I don't think it's going to be one that we're going to see around a whole lot. Hmm. It, this was a list that when I first looked at it, I went, man, that was, that was, there's so, there was so much potential to make this list really cool. And this legendary legion so kind of has some really cool, unique mechanics specifically for them. But I feel like they've kind of just dropped the ball a little bit in terms of, you know, what the list brings to the table that nothing else in the game can do because that's part of the kind of what I like to see Legendary Legions doing is providing something that no other list, no other way of writing a list can do. And I feel like most of the other ones we've seen can do that in some way, shape, or form. Like the Return of the King is a good example. Being able to go Aragorn and Army of the Dead is really, really cool. Being able to have the great company as themselves and get all the buffs is really, really cool. Um, and same with the Rangers of Thillium being able to really max and push out the bow limit. But, you know, you can kind of look at the Rise of Rohan, which is basically just going, take this version of Rohan because it's better. And yeah. this Men of the West one kind of, it just, it doesn't really do something interesting for me. And, yeah. yeah. It's kind of a bit of a letdown. I would love it if we had um, Rohan got shield wall in this army. I think that's at least something that you think, okay, that's that's a choice you can take them because I, I they they're a bit of a weakness. So having them having the ability to get up to a defense level that that's up there with the Minas Tirith and the the um, the Dol Amroth, even though it's not totally there, would be pretty good. And maybe give Gon like so maybe Rohan gets shield wall when they're in base contact with a Minas Tirith, a Gondor warrior, and Gondor gets I don't know one plus strength when they're in base contact with, with Rohan or something like that, that plays off the idea that they're fighting together and encourage yeah. you to take both. In battle companies, I'm pretty sure they have, uh, they have a, a special rule where they get plus one to their dual role. Um, if they're in the same combat as someone with the Gondor or Rohan keyword respectively for each other. So if you're fighting <laughs> with, with, with your friend, you get a, a bit of a boost. I'm not saying like something like that for, for points match would, would be okay because that would be insane. That would be insane, Absolutely yeah. Absolutely insane. There's something like maybe plus one fight value um, if they're in contact or gain a, a re-roll to their dual roll. Not a banner re-roll, but just a re-roll. That way they're kind of getting double re-rolls for a combat or, or something like that where that it actually provides some power to the list that otherwise isn't there. Yeah, I think also, so. Yeah. Or even something to do with the shield mechanic or something like that, where they get bonuses to when they shield or something, just to give the heroes time to do work. Because I feel like this is, if the troops are dying slowly while the heroes do lots of work here. So if you gave them a mechanic where, I don't know, you get one plus defense when you're shielding or you get a reroll when you're shielding or something like that, just to give you something, something just to play for it. Because I, look, it's not, it's not terrible by any means, but it's just nowhere near the level of some of the other legendary legions we've got so far. Now, onto that, we move on to one of the ones that I like quite a bit, and this is the Army of Gothmog. Oh, yes. I've seen you run this uh, list to absolute horrifying effects. <laughs> yeah, I've actually had some good practice with this one, so I've, I've pretty much started to optimize how I like to play it. 
So at 500 points, I've got 31 models, which I think is a good number at 500 points. It's not like horde levels, but it's it's going to be above average most of the time. And I've got some real hitting power. So at 300, I've gone for Gothmog with everything. So Gothmog, Warg, Shield, because he pretty much is the army, quite frankly. So you might as well put everything on him. He's got an Orc Drummer in his Warband. Now, initially... I didn't bring that around, but I actually like the Orc Drummer because you don't get that problem where you're sinking a huge amount of points into a troll that's not an Orc. Um, Trolls are pretty good as well, but I just like the Orc Drummer because it means that you get a smaller footprint and it guarantees that Gothamog is going to get to move a little bit faster as well. So I don't mind it in that one. Plus, it gives you another hero for those tricky hero scenarios. He's Mm. got um, four Orcs. Two of them have shield, two of them have spear. One Moran and Orc with everything, Banner Spear Shield. Four Moran and Orcs of Shield, and three Moran and Orcs of Spear Shield. So he's got a mixture of Moranans and Orcs, and this is how I like to play this list. I mix the Orcs and the Moranans around just to build the numbers up, because I find that uh, basically it's a, it's a death ball army, so everything goes together. You need enough models that, that you can get past the shooting and get into combat. I usually don't bother with shooting. I've got a couple bows, but they're not for much here. In my second warband, I've pretty much got my choice of any of the 60-point Orc heroes. So here... You can swap it out for which, what you want. You can go Giritz, uh, Gothmog's Enforcer. But I've gone for Zagdush, the Orc Captain, just to give an Orc presence as well. But I really love Zagdush. Having three attacks on a hero is really, really powerful. So it becomes a bit of a hitter. He's got that strength optimization thing where he can play around. He's got Heroic Strike. He does everything you want at a low points level. So he can he can go assassinate a big thing if you if you want to. He can, he can lead troops. He can do pretty much everything and he's he's got he's good reliable model he's got uh, uh five orcs two of them have shield two of them have spear one has a two-handed weapon just because i have to put the two-handed weapon in the army when i take orcs just for an obsessive reason and then four moran orcs with shield as well so they basically just engage first they they flank you a little bit and then it's once again relying on numbers not a huge amount of numbers in that warband but enough and my third warband is an orc shaman Two orcs with spear and four orcs with bow. Just in case I have to camp some orcs on an objective, the shaman can drop them off while the everyone else goes running with the orc drummer. The shaman, I find this army really important because I expect to break in every game. I expect that they're going to be able to peel off enough models that I'm going to break, but I'm hoping by the end of it, I've still got my heroes, Gothmog and Zagdush, just chopping up models repeatedly, just chopping, 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 while the Moran and Orc wall essentially just grinds and, and breaks even. Because if I can do that, if I can can have the death ball going and have them so they don't fail their courage test. Because what's going to happen is that once I break, someone's going to charge Gothmog and Zagdush because they're probably close together, and then I'm not going to get any stand fasts. So the Shaman's really, really vital at that point. Yeah. yeah. And we've said it time and time again, do not leave home without a Shaman. If your list can take a Shaman, take the Shaman. There is no if, buts, or maybes. It's take the Shaman. Always take the shaman. Never not take the shaman because when you need the shaman, you need the shaman more than anything else in your list. And when you don't need it, you still have a shaman. Yeah, no, it's it's just it's just super useful. So this army, I think it does its job. It's is it better than the other Mordor lists at the time? Probably not. But it, what it does is it attacks men really well and it shows off Gothmog really well. So if you want to take Gothmog, I do like this list as a show off Gothmog. At this point level, at 500 points level, I don't think you can afford the trolls because I think you need the numbers with orcs. So we move on to the 750 version of it. And the 750 version is pretty similar. Once again, I've, I've gone for just orcs because I really think that 
you want to maximize Gothorg's special rule if you have access to it. So this one, this one gets a lot more in it, and this one's actually a pretty scary army. So my first warband, I'll go warband by warband. 47 models in total just to, to break the suspense. Gothmog with everything. Orc Drummer, because I just staple an Orc Drummer to Gothmog in this army now. One Orc with Shield, one Orc with Spear, one Moranin Orc with Banner Spear Shield, because I figure if you're going to convert up Moranin Orc Banner, you might as well use it. Four Moranin Orcs with Shield, three Moranin Orcs with Spear Shield. So just a handful of Moranins and Orcs that, that go follow Gothmog around. Warband 2 is also setting up next to Gothmog whenever possible. So this is Gothmog's Enforcer, an Orc Warrior of Shield, an Orc Warrior of Spear, basically just to take up space. Four Moranins of Shield, three Moranins with Spear Shield. So a tough warband. They're going to basically try to deploy as close as they can to Gothmogs to give you this like big warband of 22 models that basically is your center. Then, Warband 3, you've got Gurits, the Master of Reserves. This one can go and take flanks if it wants to, or it can fight in the main line. It doesn't really matter. So it can go off on its own. Um, it's got Gurits, it's got two Warriors of Shield, which are Orcs, two Orc Warriors with Spear, three Moranin Orcs of Shield, two Moranin Orcs of Spear Shield. So once again, the mixture. And it's got enough models that can hold its own in fight if it gets separated. So it's got nine models plus Gurits, so ten. That's all right. Warband 4 is Zagdush. Um, he's going to be sneaky and help out wherever I want another hitter. So he might go with Guritz and, and help out with the strike, or he might jump next to Gothmog again and help out there. He's got some orcs. So he's got an orc warrior with a banner and spear in the uh, the idea that Zagdush might end up going on his own with another warband and, and taking on a flank, so he might need a banner. Two orc warriors of shield, two orc warriors of spear, two orc warriors of two-handed weapon, because the two-handed weapon models are really lovely. And then warband five, no surprises here, an orc shaman, Two orc spears and two orcs with uh, sorry, four orcs with orc bow, same as the last one. So it's 750, 47 models, once again, above average, but lots of heroes this time. So Gothmog, Orc Drummer, Gothmog's Enforcer, Guritz, Zagdush, Orc Shaman. Love it. Always loved it. Still love it. And it is still frightening to play against. Yeah, it's really tough to crack because you hit them with strength four, defense six. And if they can finally get through that, Orcs can hold their own in the end game quite well. So with their being opportunistic, giving you extra numbers on the flanks, you've got enough that you can you can play a, a tactic where you just basically throw four heroes into combat and no one else and just, just hold the flanks with your other guys. And they'll, they'll definitely hold their own. They'll definitely scare things. There's enough strike around. There's enough uh, courage with the Shaman. Oh, they, they do their job. And basically, they just go around in a pure death ball, which they don't have to with 47 models. With 47 models, you could spread out. But this one actually works really well as a death ball. And then start start chumping up the models, scare them into a, a certain area, and then start spreading out to do whatever you have to do um, to win the game. So uh, I, I like this army. It's a lot of fun to play with. Uh, it definitely looks apart. It looks like an orc horde. I do like the mixed arm approach, mixed arms approach, especially because some of the some of the stuff you really want are in the orc. So you definitely want a shaman. You probably want a drummer. You don't have to have a drummer, but I feel like this army with its almost nothing in terms of shooting really wants a drummer just to be able to throw you forward that extra three inches. And the fact that you can march with. Um... Gurus as well. So in those scenarios where you start 24 inches apart, you can go march, march, hey, look, I'm in combat. Yeah, you can absolutely set set everything up in a like a, a, four, a six inch rectangle with a drummer in the middle and just, yeah, send them in two turns and be in their face straight away, which can be very good if you've got one of those like 100% shooting armies. Most of the time you don't need to do that, but it can be pretty useful. Uh, and because Gothmog has the enforcer in this one, he can afford to call the heroic combats with the enforcer's will. And that's really good because he usually is the first person to get into combat and then everyone else is just like an inch behind him. And then 
once you fight that first combat, it's, it's game on. You you just pile in and pile in, and yeah. Go- Gothmog's hard to take down. He's a good hero. Hmm. I, I like it. I absolutely love it. The, the only thing I can I can say is Goroth is an option in this list. So sometimes it might be worth you know swapping out a Gerrit, an Enforcer, or a Zagdush for Goroth. But again, I think out of those four heroes, Gerrit, Gothmog, Zagdush, and Goroth, it's basically pick three you like. Those are three you take. Yeah, um, it's it's hard to know who to swap out for for Goroth. I'd probably. As much as I liked him, he's he's Zagdush or is he Enforcer? Guritz, I think, with the march is pretty important, but also the reserve manipulation. So if you do get a um a Maelstrom of Battle one, he can mean that you can still go for the Death Ball tactics. And that's this is a lethal Death Ball in Maelstrom of Battle. If the enemy's split up and you're together, you'll just take down anything. So um, you could swap out. You could drop any of them, quite frankly. You could even drop just the, say... Uh, or some some of the kit and one of them, but yeah, if you like Goth, if you like Goroth, he's a good hero. Take him, but I just find that I like those sixty point ones because it, it makes the numbers work a little bit better. Let's move on to Grand Army of the South, and Jeremy, this is you <laughs> again, and I know you absolutely itching to get in and tell us what you've done with this list. Okay, so I've recently been experimenting a little bit with with Mumic based armies and using this this army list, which initially when I saw the book, I thought, how are you going to use this army list? This has got way too much compulsory because you have to take, um, you have to take a Mumak for a start and you have to take either Saladin or the, the super Mumak, the Mumak war leader as your leader. So you're looking at, at fair investments in a Mumak and a Mumak is tricky to use, believe it or not. It's an art, it's one you have to design your whole army around. It, as I said to you off air, Kylie, it reminds me of my old um, Iron Hills Chariot Army, where the whole army is there to support the chariot and get the chariot set up ready to go. Now, five hundred points. This this list is really tricky, but I think I've got something that that we can get, we can use. So for five hundred, I've taken the Mumak War Leader because it covers both my compulsory choices in one four hundred point package. And the problem with the Mumak War Leader is you don't get the repelling line, so you can't just drop models out of the Mumak. So to counter that, I've only put five Harajim with bow into the the Howder, and I've gone for five Serpent Riders at ground level. So I feel like cavalry works really, really, really well with the Mumak, and this is where I can just use it to to like pull off some models. Um, you've got the Super Mumak, so you've got Fight 5 Mumak, which is pretty good at 500 points. It's really only heroes that are going to annoy you. And if the hero is their leader, which it probably is most of the time at 500 points because they don't have that many heroes, you get the free heroic strikes against it or free heroic combats, which is particularly nasty. I think you can get the free heroic combats. But either way, you get the bonuses. So the Mumak War Leader is very, very powerful. This is one of those all-in, though. You don't have a lot of might. You've really got to get the charge off. I would not be afraid to use those five serpent riders, put three of them right in front of the Mumak, let the enemy charge you, and then just run right over them with the Mumak. Mm. Uh, it's, it's scary. But the one I really want to hear about, Jeremy, is your 750 list. Yeah, this is where I think the army actually like holds its own. And 
I, I'm very, very excited about this one. I want to play this one a fair bit, like a lot of the armies. But this one, I've gone for Saladin as the leader with Armoured Horse. I haven't bothered with the bow because the way I play him, he's not going to stand back and shoot. He wants to get in the action. Saladin is amazing at the moment. He's got the six-inch banner. He's got a big stand fast. And in this army list, because he's a leader, if he's fighting the opponent's leader, which Saladin likes to do most of the time, he gets a free heroic. So he gets heroic strikes against the enemy leader, basically, which is what you're going to do most of the time, unless you know they won't strike or they're one of those heroes that don't have it, which you might call the heroic combat. But... He's he's really solid leader, and because I've been able to split him off, I'll get to some tricky stuff with the Mumak later on. So he's leading uh, one Haradrim Raider with bow and a war spear. So it's the full kit Haradrim Raider, one Haradrim Raider with war spear. So just two Haradrim Raiders, but he's got the six Serpent Riders, and the six Serpent Riders are they're just a bargain. They're so good, and it's the only reason I don't take more than the amount that I have in this list is because it's exactly the amount that I own and I, I don't know if I'm going to buy any more. But you'd probably swap out that bow one with the war spear for another Serpent Rider if you could. Like They're, they're just so good at 13 points. Uh, for Warband 2, I've gone for Haradrim Chieftain with horse and then he comes with the war spear and he's 60 points and he is a bargain. He is probably one of the best priced hero, like character, captain level heroes in the game because that war spear, that poisoned war spear means that you, I, is it a poison war spear? I don't know if it is, but it's it's a war spear. Um, you, so you're wounding things pretty well. You got your strength four, you got your fight four, you got your multiple attacks, you got your war spear. He he really does work, and I think you need the third hero for all those tricky scenarios with like pick a hero that's not your leader because you don't want to pick the the more war mimic a lot of times. Then he has identical warband to Saladin. Identical in every way. There's six serpent riders, the two Horajan raiders. One of them has a bow and a war spear. The other one has a war spear. And that's just to play around my bow limit. So I've taken my 50% bows, as you'll see next, because my third warband, and the best warband perhaps, is a war mumak. This is the budget war mumak. So I've gone the war mumak, and I could not help but buy the repelling lines because they are probably the best bargain of all the upgrades in that they mean that you've got some flexibility with your 12 Warriors with bow up the top because I can drop down into combat. When the Mumak does get into combat and there's three models in there, I can drop two of them down and make it a one-on-one with the Mumak. And that becomes really, really powerful because you can say, oh, you've got a striking hero, do you? Drop a guy into, let's say, Zagdush from the last list. Suddenly he's striking against a um, a Haradrim warrior instead of that. So he has to change his tactic. It doesn't do anything there. So that that's a really good choice, the repelling lines. Normally, we talked about Mumek before in the past that you have to take things like tusk weapons. I don't think you need to. I feel like the War Mumek is destructive enough with three strength, nine or whatever it is, attacks that... That, that that's okay. You don't want to sink 20, 30 point upgrades into him because every time you do that, you're reducing your cavalry by about two models. And having that cavalry on the ground, having 31 models in this army list means you can match it with a lot of 750 point army lists. Plus you've got a Mumak. Yeah, it's... I, you have chewed my ear off for about a good 20 minutes after volleyball practice, after our volleyball game. And I was just there going, Wow. <laughs> I want to try this as well because ever since the one uh, that night where we played the game with the uh, with the serpent rise in that scenario uh, again, I have just been so so impressed by the, the Heradrim cavalry just in their sheer damage output and, and their abilities to be glass cannons. And then when you told me how you were kind of almost revolutionizing how a, a, a Mumakil and using it competitively, I was just like. 
Damn, I have to see this. I have to play against this. And honestly, the, the way you've kind of described how it's moving past work is really, really kind of clever in how in how you're approaching the game, what war gear options you've picked for each model, how each model has been playing. And it's honestly, it sounds freaking amazing. Yeah, look, it's it looks so good on the table because it looks like a massive army. It actually does look like a grand army, even though it's only 31 models. It's not a huge amount, and a bunch of those models, 12 of them are in the howdah, so it's not a lot of bases on the ground. But because everything's a big base, it takes up a lot of space, and it moves so fast. Like The Mumik is the slow part of the army, and normally the problem you have with a Mumik is the Mumik races ahead, and the rest of the army's chasing after it, waving their hands, saying, come back, we need to help you out. But the Mumik's the slow part, and what I do is I can set it back a little bit from the horses, and then the horses can choose to, to be training, so... The, the, the weird thing about a war beast now is that you can put one horse in front of it and stop it from moving. So you can do that quite a bit. And what I might do is, if I know I'm going to get close and it's going to be a roll-off, I can just screen it with the cavalry, let them charge a few cavalry models and not be able to get to the Mumak. And then the Mumak can just run over my own cavalry models because if they get charged, they're probably going to die anyway. So I probably don't care that I'm going to lose them. And the Mumak, can, you can tilt it and make it so that it goes on an angle and takes out a fair chunk of the line and exposes a lot of weak stuff for then Saladin and the captain to go pick on some, some other heroes or something else that it wants to or a banner or a whole bunch of spears or anything else. And it, it's just, it's a kind of a army that, that one bad mistake against it means you're going to lose because it, because it acts so quickly and kills like all in a bunch. You've got to make sure you play against it correctly. And a lot of people aren't going to know how to play against it. And like I, I, like you said, I, I actually think there is more list to that we haven't actually seen yet. And I think there is a lot more you can do with it than I think you realize too. Because there's a couple of little ideas that I've had. I'm like, ooh, I wonder if you could you could do this and make this work or play it in this particular way as like a pivot or a change of tactics to what you have been doing. And yeah, I'm interested to see how, how it pans out. Oh, absolutely. There's there's so many things you can do and, and even just a feint to one side and then turn your whole army around would, would massively freak someone out because you don't you got so much hitting power with just the cavalry warbands. Like eighteen cavalry on the ground is is big. That's a big hit. So to be able to just say, I'm gonna go forward at one point, refuse flank or disappear or dance around or do whatever you're gonna do can suddenly put the pressure on. And because the whole game, you've got a really solid shooting base on the move. Like, you've got an 8-inch move and your bowmen are going nuts shooting at things they want to. It really does put the pressure on your opponent because you can even just go, well, I'll just push the Mumik forward so it's the only thing in range of your shooting. Hold the cavalry right back and start off a shoot war and try and force the opponent to run at you. And if you're running at a Mumik, you're probably in a bit of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm very excited about this army list. And and because I've got the models and I'm I'm so close, I've just got um, four serpent riders at the point of recording this. I'm probably one painting session off finishing them. And then this army list, it's going to go down at some point because I've got to, I've got to try it. I'm going to have to play it probably six times to to really learn all about it. But I'm going to enjoy that because this is, this is the kind of project that it's so different from anything else I've played for a long time. And it's one that we've been theorizing for a long time. And I feel like I've just taken it to the extreme of this list where it's okay. Let's not just take some cav. Let's just go nuts on the cav. And and anyone who's walking can just be in the howder or not at all. Yeah. I'm vaguely having like, I I remember an episode of the green dragon way back yonder when we were doing, 
Korean army with the old uh, uh, blue uh, Legion, uh, not Legion, Warband books, like the, the old five of them with like Fallen Realms and stuff like that. And I vaguely remember uh, David and Matt describing a very similar list where you had the Mumak and then all the little mini UFO um uh, Haradrim Raiders and Serpent Riders and stuff moving around the mothership that is the Mumak. And, and this, honestly, it feels like that, but just super optimized. Yeah, it is. And just the cavalry have the speed to get around the Mumak's base and charge into combat. So you don't feel like you're out of position. Even though the Mumak goes crazy and stomps on everything, like the problem is in the, the previous versions of the Mumak is when it does that, it's good. But then you know you're going to get charged by 12 models countercharged but in this one it's very hard to get that that extreme countercharge off because you can support so well with your cavalry and you don't mind losing the cavalry because most of the time you're trading a cavalry or two models for like four or five of your opponent's army so you don't mind that at all and you can clog up things with a repelling line so if, you, if you're out of position just throw a bunch of the archers down and let them take up space for a turn and then just run them over next turn if you don't if you have to like it, it's it's pure destruction it's pure movement it's it's huge morals it makes everyone in the the gaming club or the the building turn around and look at your army because it does look phenomenal so i'm just really excited about this one but the other one that i'm also excited about being a, a, an evil player at heart is the black gate opens because this is the time to get the trolls out kylie all yours all right so the black gate this is this is the army right this is the legendary leader I didn't know I wanted and was ecstatic that I got it because I'm, I'm going to be straight up. I am a big fan of the double Mordor Troll Chieftain and and just the way this list is designed and kind of put together, I, I am looking forward to playing more games. With it. I play quite a few games with it at the moment and it, it's so much fun to play with it, and it's a complete joy to play. So I'm going to start with the 500 point army first. So in Warband number one, we have a Mordor Troll Chieftain, the Big Chief, the greatest of the trolls. So this is a Mordor Troll Chieftain with three might, two will, two fate, and fearless. And in particular, that fearless is absolutely magical, but we'll get in more to that later. In his Warband, he has six Moranon Orcs with shield and spear, six Moranon Orcs with shield, and one Moranon Orc with banner, shield, and spear. In Warband number two, we have the Mouth of Sauron on Armoured Horse with five Moranon Orcs with shield and spear. And finally, in Warband number three, we have an Orc Captain with bow and seven Orc Warriors with Orc bow and two-handed weapon. These are what I like to call my honesty Orcs to make sure that my opponent knows they cannot sit back and sh- and, and do nothing if they have an army with no shooting. I'm surprised you haven't uh, dropped one of those honesty orcs and put a wag on your orc captain. Can they take wags? They can take wags. Scratch that. I am doing that. <laughs> I didn't even realize the orc captain wag in the mouth of Sauron. Shows how much I've been paying attention. But yes, I would definitely be doing that. It's the one cavalry model you get, and I... Oh, no, no, you get the Mouth of Sauron as well. I feel like yeah. it's a really good hitter with the Mouth of Sauron, so if you need him to do some fighting, having an Orc Captain there, having him for the march, having him for, for everything is, is pretty solid. And, yeah, look, you can take the bow if you want, but you can easily find 10 points in this list. It's one model, or it's it's half a model and the bow, or something like that, and then... You've got some some hitting power. You've got some knockdown. And even things like getting a knockdown when the chief charges in, the troll chieftain, can make all the difference. Because if you've got double strikes of a troll chieftain, it's pretty much killing anything. Hmm. Yeah, the, the, the troll chieftain with three might is absolutely gorgeous. Like, I didn't realize how much of a big deal it was 
until I started playing it. Like the fearless is an absolute godsend. It means that your big main troll is always sticking around no matter what happens in the game. He is going to be there towards the end. Your opponent either has to kill kill it or run away from it. And that's your only two options. You can't hope that it fails a courage test because it's never going to fail a courage test. It's uh, so- the extra might. Yeah, go on. Oh, look, I just love it as well because oftentimes with a troll chieftain, you're planning for that break, so you might be a little bit conservative with your might, and and you will as well. Like it's like, do I risk this spell or do I do I not? Because you know that that courage, even though it's okay, it's still very failable. But to be fearless means you can spend all your resources, and even once you do, he's still a machine. He's still a really really strong model, so you can be a little bit reckless with him, a little bit fearless if you like, and and away you go. It does make a huge difference. Yeah, and the extra point of might, will, and fate um, is also quite a big deal as well because the will means you can now throw two dice with, um, say you, you're up against an, an enemy hero like, um, I don't know, let's go out on a limb and say an, an Aragorn or a Boromir or something like that, and the opponent has a wizard or something like that. And actually, a better, better option would be Bard. You're up against Bard, and there's a Gandalf the Grey hanging around the back. And you go into Bard, and Bard strikes up, and then Gandalf then throws a throws a spell, spell at you. It means you can throw two dice on a 4-plus um, to block the spell on a 6. You throw the two might and the two will. Say you get a 4, you throw the two might at it, you get a 6, and you still have a might point to strike up. You always, you, you pretty much always have a way uh, with this troll chieftain to muscle through and block at least one spell pretty damn comfortably a game. And that just having that insurance allows you to actually go in and do the stuff you need to do with him. And the extra fate point is also a big deal because it pushes him up into that all wound territory. So he's very hard to burst down in a single turn. Yeah, no, look, I like this one. And um, I want to hear what you've done with 750 as well. What, how does it scale? Is it the same army or does right, it change so up? 750, I basically swapped the basic orcs because i'm still belief the basic orcs are the bee's knees um but in warband number one again we have the greatest of the trolls the mortal troll chieftain with the extra points of might will and fate he has five orc warriors with shield and spear five orc warriors with shield he has one orc warrior with banner shield and spear in warband number two we have the mouth of sauron on armored horse he has six orc warriors with orc bow and as I said before, they're our honesty orcs. They're there to make sure that the opponent doesn't feel too comfortable about throwing in their uh, big bad Aragorn in on horse. Um, next, we have Warband number three, which has a Mordor Troll Chieftain uh, with five orcs with shield and spear and three orcs with shield. And finally, in Warband number four, we have our third and final Mordor Troll Chieftain <laughs> with five orcs with shield and spear and three orcs with shield. Wow, yeah. You love your um your big big nasties in threes, don't you? I I do. I do. I think three is three's the magic number in, in Lord of the Rings. Whenever whenever I take say um Dragonites, Hasharan, uh Mordor Troll Chieftains, Cave Trolls, uh Dwellers in the Dark, King's Huntsmen, anything of of those ilk, I'm taking three of them because it just means that your opponent always feels their presence on the table. Even if one has an off game, the other two are probably not. Or maybe one's having an all right game and the other one's gang busted. It means your opponent is always feeling the effects of one of your big nasties. And I, I just I can't rave on and on about how good the, mag- the magic number of three is. But 
Anyway, I'll, I'll stop now. <laughs> no, look, it's it's scary to play against because most armies are reasonably comfortable taking on one. And I guess a Mortal Troll Chieftain, you're not actually comfortable taking on one, but you back yourself to take on one. But when there's two that you back up, it, it becomes... Do I do I try to target the orcs? And then you end up going to your screen mode where you basically put the orcs behind the troll chieftains and on the flanks and then the troll chieftains just push into you and that's that's difficult to play against. So and you've also got that, that little um support of the mouth of Sauron where you can you can go in and back up the combat if you want to, or you can take a cheeky spell and, and take out someone's ability to hit you and or or the ability to strike, stop them striking is good. So you've got a bit of a bit of everything, and I I like what you've done with both those lists. They both seem interesting to play, and they're very different from my Gothmog's Legion list, which I like as well. Hmm. I, I prefer my um six hundred and fifty point variants um of my seven fifty list, which is basically just the two Mordor Troll Chieftains with the Mouth of Sauron um and a Captain instead of uh the Mortal Troll Chieftain, I just felt feel it plays just a little bit more fluidly and I'm a bit more comfortable with it. I haven't actually played this um, list at 750 yet, but if, if my games at 650 have taught me anything, it is the list is absolutely fun to play. Yeah, look, that was part of the challenge of this one. 750 means you take some stuff you don't normally take or whatever, because we've been playing a lot of 600 and 650 sort of levels, so it's it's a it's a number that I feel like it gives you the flavor of the list ready to go. So now we move on to the scouring of the Shire. So there's only two lists from the scouring of the Shire. So Kylie, you've got the first. I do. Now I've I have a weird relationship with hobbits. I I don't like playing with hobbits. I can never seem to get them to do what I want. And I'm pretty sure it's because I've yet to master the throw stone um with with, with the basic hobbit infantry. Uh, but I, I've given this my best shot. So at 500 points, we've just got four warbands. Uh, in warband number one, we have Mary, Captain of the Shire, with Elven Cloak, Shield, and Pony. He has 11 Batlin Brandy Bucks in his warband. In warband number two, we have Peregrine, Captain of the Shire, with Elven Cloak, Shield, and Pony. He has four Hobbit Militia, six Tukish Archers, and one Tukish Hunter with Warhorn. In warband number three, we have Frodo of Nine Fingers with Elven Cloak and Pony, and he has four Militia, four Archers, and four Sheriffs. In warband number four, we have Samwise Brave with Elven Cloak and Pony, and he has, again, four Militia, four Archers, and four Sheriffs. Ah, oh, classic, classic Battle of Bywater setup. I like this, yeah. Kylie. Um, you're often one that goes for combinations as much as possible. This is just a pure Hobbit classic army. It, it's one of the few Hobbit builds that actually makes sense from the stories. They were all together. They all fought the same battle. They do work really well together. Mariadoc and Peregrine are good hitters for Hobbits. They do their job. Sam's very nice. And Frodo gives you that banner effect and the support character that you need. Uh, you're right when you said before that, that mastering the throw stones is the key because you need, for a Hobbit army, you usually need to set up one good throw stones round, and it's not easy to set up because everyone knows you're trying to do it. So you have to be really clever about when you do that, and you've also got to make sure you do it in a, a spot that's important as well. So it's often uh, close up. It's not at the in the backfield because if you do it in the backfield, even if you kill models, you often end the, end the game where you you then have to go and try and break through a wall to get onto an objective. So you've got to time it right. Uh, I think hobbits are very, very strong, and I think I look at this list at 500 points where you're pushing, what is that, 50, 50 models-ish? Something like that? Uh, so, so, something ludicrous. There's, there's 11. Mary's got 11 in his warband. Peter's got 11. Frodo's got 12. And Sam's got 12. So it's that 36 plus 
it's it's high it's mid 40s or high 40s I think, uh, i'm really struggling with the math at the moment <laughs> it's straight 50 straight fi- well there you go it's straight 50 there you go that's a lot of dudes yeah that's a ton of dudes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and it's not like you've gone cheap either because you've got the tookish hunters you've got the brandy bucks you've got you've got everything you need um mary adox horn is really helpful um you've got another war horn as well for redundancy which you don't necessarily need but you've got the points left over so well well that's the thing though um the horn of the Riddermark and the Warhorn are two different horns. They actually, they were the only two Warhorns that will stack on top of each other. Oh, that's cheeky. So, yeah. So you actually have Courage 5 Hobbits and, you know, Courage <laughs> 7 and Courage 8, you know, Frodo and Sam and crew. So it's actually pretty cool. And in addition, because you've got the Legendary Legion special rules, you've got some traps, which don't do a whole lot, but they're enough that you can put them in a key spot and make someone think twice about it. You've got the really important part where you can move fast through woods. That's absolutely huge for hobbits. To be able to get woodland creature is really, really good. And then also to have the hobbit heroes being able to benefit from Mary Standfast is helpful because it's just less uh, less courage tests you have to take as well. So you've got some really yeah. good additions for that. What have you done at 750, Kylie? All right, so 750, I'll be honest, I copped out a little bit. I was trying to make something interesting and, and get a certain amount of models and, and do all this fun stuff. And then I realized as I was writing the list, it's hobbits. You literally can get everything. So that's exactly what I've done. I have went <laughs> and gotten everything. So in Warband 1, we have uh, Mary with... Uh, the kitchen sink, Alvin Cloak, Shield and Pony. He has four brandy bucks in his warband. Then we have Pippin with the kitchen sink, six Turkish hunters, and one Turkish hunter with the warhorn. Then we have Frodo with four militia on with Alvin Cloak and Pony. Uh, Sam with Alvin Cloak and Pony, and Rosie is in his warband. <laughs> in warband five, we have Paladin Turk and three Turkish hunters. In warband six, we have Farmer Maggot. Seven is Lobelia. Eight is Fatty Bulger. Nine is Farmer Cotton and three uh, three militia. Ten is Will Whitefoot, the Mayor of Hobbiton, with three militia. In eleven, we have the Sheriff Leader of Holfoot, I believe it is. Yes, he Holfoot. Has, He's a good one. Uh, and he has three sheriffs in his warband. In warband twelve, we have uh, Robin Smallborough, another Hobbit sheriff, and he has three sheriffs in his warband. Uh, in Hamfast Gamage's Warband, we have another two Hobbit Sheriffs. Uh, and finally, in Warband 14, we have Falker and 15 uh, Baldur Tulpany. So basically, every single Hobbit hero, and then as many other Hobbits as we can get. And that, that it's, it's plenty. Like, this is actually a small Hobbit army for, for 750, but you've literally got every single hero. So um, I just can't wait to play, like, the, um, you know, those bluff, like, choose which hero you want to attack type scenarios where you've got, like, 20 heroes. It's going to be, be good fun to play with. Once again, it can hold its own. You've got lots of heroes throwing stones in opportune time. You've got lots of support for each other. You've got two banner effects with Will, Whitfoot, and Frodo, which is very helpful Hobbits do their work when they when they when when they're in combat. They usually got enough numbers that they can do some damage. The sheriffs are the hidden secret of this one because you got fight three because you put a feather in your cap and everyone knows that makes you as good as a trained warrior of Minas Tirith when you fight. And you've got the two handed weapon without the penalty because you've got whole foot brace girdle around, which is 
which is actually pretty powerful when you're going at strength two yeah. with with one plus the wound. It's not that bad. Sixes go to fives. You're doing some damage, and also the club is a really useful weapon to have as well. So I, mm. I think this army can can really hold its own. You got Samwise with Rosie, so you have got some free heroics going on. Farmer Magus dogs are, the, are are really useful because they're your objective grabbers and your speed, and they fight actually better than pretty much anything else on the list. Uh, yeah, yes, this uh, this army's it's a fun army. It's by no means a world beater with ten thousand heroes because especially if you take on like a dragon knight army, they're just going to lick their lips and get really excited. But it can definitely do anything with blood and glory just looks at this and all they see is a HUD just appear and go, oh, bring my points everywhere. Yep. And yeah, they're just going to go to town. And they really don't necessarily like playing against cavalry because they can. It's very hard to get your throw stones off against the cavalry armies. So it's got mm-hmm. some weaknesses. It's it's not a world beater in this format. I think you can make a much stronger one. But I do like your your army design here, where it's just throw literally everything in. And that's pretty much what I've done with the next one as well. So I've got the final one for today, and that's the chief ruffians. I've actually got some experience playing these guys. They're horrible, but they're horrible in a good way in that they they are playable. You can actually win games with them. But they, you really have to work for it. So these are your classic hordes. So I've gone for 54 models, which annoyingly is about the same as your hobbits. And I feel like that's yeah. um, they're a bit overpriced, quite frankly, the, the ruffians. They, they take cop too many penalties. Too many of their bonuses are against the hobbits. But what you get is Sharky and Worm. Sharky is the ultimate courage hero. Like, that's his, pretty much his job. Anything else is a bonus. He's there purely at the end of the game. He's got that Battlefield Wild Standfast in the Legendary Legion. He needs to be at a point where everyone can see him. That's his whole job. Anything else is a bonus. He stays alive. He gets that free pass for the first time you break, and then everyone on the battlefield. So you could be capturing objectives on one side of the board and the other side of the board, passing with a single standfast. That's his job. Worm can be a hitter in very select circumstances. That's usually towards the end game when nothing else is left. So that doesn't happen very often. He's usually dead by then because everyone knows how good he is. Pretty much, I'll talk about what my warband's got. I've got all the heroes. So 500, I've got Sharky. I've got Sid Briarthorn, the hitter, which is, he's a pretty average hitter for a pretty expensive price, but he's got the only banner effect. Uh, Roland Thistlewood, who basically his deal is that he potentially scares you and puts a bit of terrain on fire, so that keeps someone out of terrain, which is nice. Bill Fernie, who pretty much does nothing. Lotho Sackville Baggins, who's one of these heroes that, that has a lot of utility because he can do a few things. He can make your ruffians pass courage tests or your hobbits pass the courage test. He bribes the hobbits in the area, which is crucial against terror-causing armies. He is your hero for, for terror-causing armies. He can also be a bit of a, a strange tank and that he can draw a model towards him and pay them off for a two-thirds chance that they won't charge him. And this can really throw off something like your Troll Chieftain army whereas they try and charge with Lotho and they're stuck doing nothing. That said, you still beat me, but it does does hold him up for a turn. And because he's a hero in a ruffian army, you don't care if he dies. And then Ted Sandyman, who's just a hobbit, he's an extra point of might in the list. That's pretty much all he does. But he gets to lead 12 hobbit militia. And the hobbit militia in this army list are really good because they give you that throw stone potential. They're slower than the rest of the army. So they often end up being the ones at the end of the game who are capturing objectives and things, which is kind of kind of fun as well. Each of my warbands has seven ruffians in it. All of them have three ruffians with whip or four with and four with bow, except for one. The final one, the Lotho Sackville Baggins has four whips and three bows. Um, that can be swapped around in any way that I see fit. But basically, it's 54 models, lots and lots of ruffians. The bows, you got a lot of them. They don't do anything because they're five plus to hit. Uh, they're basically as strong as 
strong as like orc and goblin bows, but they do keep the army, uh, the enemy honest. This, believe it or not, is a combat army, but it's a combat army where you do a lot of your killing by shooting into your own combats to neutralize the heroes and then throwing heaps of attacks in the flanks and, and doing some damage. So it's a, it's an odd army, but it's one that, that can, can win its fair share of games just because there's so many bottles, bodies to carve through. Now I'm going to go out on a limb here and 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 predict that your 750 point army is basically your 500 point army, but with more dudes. Yes. So I've got all the same heroes. Look, I'm not even going to bother too much with warband composition. So you can pretty much put them anywhere. I've still maintained my 12 militia. I've got a warband that's leaderless, so 10 ruffians can take uh, uh, like no leader. I had to do that. I've got basically 96 models at 750 points <laughs> because I, I got 42 extra models. 96. <laughs> Holy cow. Yep. Oh, wow. You're just law of averages you're shooting, man. You don't, you don't even worry that you hit fives when, you know, 30 bowmen are flinging shots at your opponent every turn. Yeah. You're going to hit with, like, 10 of them. Yeah, absolutely. You just, yeah, yeah, but you just... Yeah, you, 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 <laughs> you do what you want at that point. Um, 96 models. I am building towards this. I'm finding... I've got lots of ruffians already, and I'm scouring historic ranges, and there's some, some nice models around that I can mix in. I definitely will be playing this. We'll see how it goes. I feel like against most armies, it do pretty well. Um, I don't want to play my Mumakami <laughs> with this one, because I feel like the Mumakami could take on the whole army by itself. Um, they could happily shoot down yeah. the, the cav, but... Uh, so... It's it's a it's a gimmick army. It's a silly army in terms of hundred model hordes. Things like the goblins do it better, but they can do it as on his own. And once again, the main advantage they've got is you've got Sharky with his battlefield wild stand, wide stand fast when you break. So things like Goblin Town don't like to break, whereas these guys actually don't mind it. Believe it or not, they they're okay when when break tests come around, especially if you're conservative with Shark, you can just say, you know what, I can't be bothered transfixing, let the ruffians die, I'll save that for passing courage tests at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Sharky at that point, like at, at big points like 750, it's basically at the start of the game you go, do I want to channel Terrifying Aura? If yes, spend a point of might and two will. If no, keep all of your stats. Yeah. And you may try transfix once in a while, but honestly, it's 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 almost to, to hold up space more than anything. You're not really doing it to kill a hero because you don't kill heroes. You don't have any power for doing it. So I've often called the transfix just to, to create a bottleneck. So just, oh yeah, just transfer, trans, transfix this guy that's in, in a gap. Cool, you can't move now and I can push forward with the rest of my army. But but yeah, he's there He's there for the end game, absolutely. Um, you don't care if your heroes die, just let them die. Just let the models die. You're picking off bucket loads. Your opponent has a great time. You have a great time. You're just sweeping models off the game. And then at the end you go, oh, where are all your models? I've still got 35 left. And then away you go. Uh, it'd be interesting if um, the ruffians could use their... Uh put them in chain special rule on any model i think that would have made the list a bit more interesting but the fact that it's only hobbit models that you can you can paralyze with that ability uh i think limits yeah really really limits the list it does but i feel like that could like paralyze is so lethal that i would almost want it to be like you can paralyze but on a six or something really really like unlikely because put him in change you have you have to roll over their strength Yes, true, so true. Yeah, yeah. Most other like heroes in the game, you're looking at a one in three 
Yeah. Yeah. No, possibly fair enough. even, possibly even a, a one in a one in six. And some heroes are just straight up immune. Like you can't, you can't paralyze anything that's you know strength six or more because you can't roll over the strength. But you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. I look. I think they they've got their their place. When you play this army, play fast. You can actually play surprisingly fast because you don't care about your positioning because you don't care if your models die. You just throw them forward and see what happens because you basically clog up space. Your heroes, you might think a little bit about where they are. I often put them in the second rank because I don't need them to be assassinated first turn. But you move so quickly, you put people under so much pressure that it's basically a race to the objective. See what you can do. Whenever a hero gets into combat with the ruffians, you just whip away and try and kill your ruffians. You don't worry about who hurting the heroes. It's it's your corsair tactics, but with a lot more yeah. um, brutality. And then you just end up with ruffians on troops. And because you've got enough dice, you'll win some combat. You'll get some kills. And every time you get a kill, it doesn't matter if you've lost four ruffians. It's it's a big deal. So yeah, it, it's mm. it, it's a list that look. I think you have to be a special kind of person that's willing to to paint up ninety six ruffians. But if you are, um, welcome to the club. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's enough for, for this episode, Kylie, in terms of the list. I can't wait to do the next one as well because there's another nine in Warren Rohan. And probably by the time we get the next episode out, we'll probably have another four books. Who knows? But these army lists, I, I really want to try them out. And one of the reasons I'm, I'm a bit evil with this, we're playing a local league where all the games are 750 points. So I really wanted to just um, pick your brain about 750 point armies because I'm thinking of just playing Legendary Legions in every single game, because we can change our lists from game to game um, and change the yes. armies. So I'm thinking yeah. of just, just going for as many different types of these as I can and just mix it up so my opponent doesn't know what I'm going to bring down and try them out, because they all have their own unique flavor and their own unique challenges. And none of these lists that we've given are terrible, I don't think. I think that Man of the West yeah. one is is a standout in that it's uh, what you do with it. But I think I think every single one of them can play their own. Um, initially, I thought the Ruffians were absolute rubbish, but... There is a, a quality to having a quantity of models. Like just having so many models that even though they are overcosted and they are rubbish, you've got so many bodies that you can pretty much do what you like. It puts the other opponent under pressure and they can make mistakes. And once they make mistakes, classic classic moves like just trapping and being in the right position win your games. Yeah, straight up. Yeah. So on that note, listener, thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.